and welcome to the Talking Heads podcast with Lucy and Saul, two head gardeners in Essex and Devon. In light of the coronavirus crisis we are living in and the drastic changes in horticulture happening up and down the UK, we both realised that bringing a regular glimpse into the gardens we look after might bring a little joy and interest. So for the foreseeable future, Talking Heads will now be a shorter podcast where Lucy and I bring you snippets of our daily lives in our gardens as spring unfurls. We'll also bring you news of gardens and gardeners, nurseries and nursery folk throughout the UK. So sit back, take a few minutes out of your day and tune into a small dose of our gardening lives. So we do talk an awful lot about gardening and I can't, you know, I can't blame ourselves because we love gardening. But why don't we also have a quick chat about what we do? Is there anything? Do we do anything outside our gardening lives that maybe what we describe as still sort of curricular, as it were? So, um, so maybe earning us a bit of income or keeping our keeping us uh, horticulturally entertained, but but not actually physical hands-on gardening. What what is it that you like to do in your spare time? Well, you know, it's it's a weird thing, isn't it? Because I think most people inside the gardening industry and maybe a lot of people outside might realize that gardening is not the most well-paid job on planet earth although it should be it should be one of the highest paid jobs there is you know i know it's a it's a craft absolutely in the amount of training we've done the years and years of learning and we're still learning so we do have to supplement our incomes a little bit and that's where all our little extracurricular activities come in and i must say they're not a it's not a burden on me to do them uh, i do enjoy doing gardening outside of my career <laughs> as I say it is a vocation so um I know I think we both do extra jobs um and I think the one that I I particularly enjoy doing is um talking to groups <laughs> that's why you're hosting a podcast called Talking <laughs> yeah, exactly ah, I just thought you know I, if if I if I could talk to lots more people remotely yeah that's a bit better than going to a group where there's only five people left in a village hall in the middle of nowhere no i'm only kidding <laughs> although i'm only slightly kidding because there are lots of uh, horticultural groups out there with not many members in we've them. we've all been yeah. there we've all been there so. but i think talking i i i remember i at q uh part of our training was we had to give a few talk uh, well we had to give one specific talk to the Camus society which is the Q mutual improvement society who does a lecture series through the winter and into the spring every monday evening and part of that is we had to give a talk on uh, a travel scholarship we did so i went to queensland in australia to go and look for orchids funny funny that um and i had to give this to- uh, 45 minute talk to a group now i hadn't really done well i'm i'm an okay talking as you could probably tell but hadn't really given um a big public talk since my secondary school so i did it and um i think it went pretty well because someone came up after and said would you come and give the same talk to a group anyway i went to go and give that talk to the group and i really really enjoyed it it was really nice to talk to a group about one of your passions and then it just sort of blossomed and i suddenly became I'd, I don't know how I think it was word of mouth mostly and people came to me and said will you do talks for our group and it's just and it's continued for 10 years now 
And and the great thing is people will pay you to do it. So it's like being paid <laughs> to do something you particularly enjoy. It To be honest, all of gardening's like that. I, I'm amazed that we get paid to mow lawns and look after pretty flowers sometimes. But Keep to quiet. Go out and do Don't talks, say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoopsie. We should be paying them. Is that right? Well, no, okay. no, pay us more. Um, <laughs> but I, I really do enjoy uh, doing talks. And I think... Like we've said, actually, in most, most of our podcasts is that gardeners love to give out knowledge. They love to talk about gardening. And I just think if if, yeah. if you're that way inclined and you're not too, you know, nervous to get up in front of a group, you should really go and give it a go. Because there's so many groups out there, not just gardening clubs. I also do WI groups and uh, University of Third Age groups and, and lots of other different uh, types of um groups that are outside of horticulture there's so many out there looking for really good speakers that actually it's a real untapped resource if you're looking to just make a little bit of pocket money on the side yeah no i do you know what i agree as you say you can um once you start um letting people know that you do talks it's like a ripple effect um the word word gets out and there's somebody who's in that audience who's part of a WI group and then in that audience they're part of a horticulture society that's just launching and then there's another group in there like you say that's part of something else and something else and it literally just goes on and on and it's um yeah it can be really really enjoyable so the when I I did my first proper talk as it were for a horticultural club when I was working at Wisley as a hort hort advisor and um my I think it was my boss at the time was approached to do a talk. He couldn't do it, and he asked if I would like to. And it was to the Paddockwood Horticulture Society, which was um, just down the road from Wisley. Um, and so I could drive there. It was only about half an hour away, I think, going into the M25. And it was talking, I think in the end, I'd talk for an hour and a half to this group, about 20 people, lovely big allotment group. And um, I was talking about growing fruit and veg and all that shenanigans. And do you know what? I, I am... Or I was until that time. I think my confidence has grown as I've become um, uh, more advanced in years. But I came out of that talk feeling so elated that I've actually, I'd actually a managed to do it, but also b kept people entertained and shown them things. They all, you know, when the thing is with the talk, they say, "Oh, it will last half an hour," but you know full well that there's also going to be at the end or in the coffee break, people will flood round you with loads and loads and loads of questions about that particular topic. Um, so if you're, what I'm basically trying to say is if you are shy or nervous and you're thinking, I don't know if I can do it. If you, if you can, please do put yourself out of that comfort zone. I remember I took lots of little cards with me just to prompt myself. I had slides again. So if I forgot something, I could just click the slide and that would prompt my memory for the next thing that I was going to talk about. And I honestly, I was so, so buzzing afterwards because I thought I can do it. And then from then on, you just, you just don't look back, do you? And it's, I think that, that's it. Once you've done one. Yeah. You, you know, even if you just do the same talk all the time, I think I've got 10 talks I've written now over 10 years. Yeah. And uh, even if you've just got one, you know, go and do it. And mm. the thing is, one bit of advice I always give is never give a talk on something you don't know about. Because if you give a talk on something that you are intrinsically involved in day to day, say just give a talk on the garden you work in, you'll just find that you can feel, like you say, an hour and a half, you can feel easily. Yeah. Yeah. Just talking about your experiences and people are really interested to hear about it. I think it's conveying the passion. If you've got, I think if you've got energy and positive energy and passion in your voice, you can make anything sound interesting. You know, you, you can, I've been to some talks where it's not been the, the subject matter. It's been the speaker that's carried me through it. And I think 
if you if you talk about something a that you're knowledgeable about and b that you love then you really you can't go wrong or if you are going wrong they'll be looking at their watch and telling you you've just talked about it for far too long that'll be the only problem that they'll be but yeah we do do both really enjoy doing talks either on uh, most mostly in in evenings like you say sometimes at weekends but more there they're more in an evening so you've done your working day you can fit in a talk um i say mostly i don't drive very far from mine because um i don't like to eat into my private time too much but um yeah sort of within east anglia i'll do talks um other things that we both do together is um we are both guests on our local bbc county radio so you are a guest gardening expert for bbc devon with which is hosted by toby buckland and i'm a a guest gardening expert on bbc essex which is hosted by ken crowther and again that is a really really enjoyable thing to do if you don't mind um again being i think when you're sat in a studio and it's live and you don't we don't know what questions we're going to get asked both the formats are where you you basically have people phoning up asking yourself a gardening question and we answer it um and if you can if you're happy enough to be in that scenario it's great fun because again you want to be entertaining and engaging that's part of it people aren't sitting there in the radio just wanting to learn they do want a little bit of banter and a bit of wit and that kind of stuff so i don't i've done about you but i really really do enjoy those slots do you know i first did it i think it was two years ago now um and yes i was actually very nervous when i first did it because i didn't know Mm. what to expect and actually it is surprisingly similar to what we're doing here you're just talking to an audience through a microphone yeah i think rage when you listen to radio you think it's really complicated but it's actually really quite simple it's just a microphone and people talking and when the first person phoned me up phoned up and asked the question and i just thought well i know the answer i'll tell them about it it's just the same as everything else i sort of do when we go and do my talks or we go off to bbc gardeners world live it's just Mm. talking to people about gardening yeah and yeah Actually, ever since I've done that, and I do, I, I do it infrequently, um, but every time I go in, I re- really enjoy it. And I must say three hours, because uh, your show's an hour, but mine's for three hours. And the mm. time just flies by yeah. because yeah. you really are just engaging with people about their gardens. Yeah, because I think with you, the, you, you're, the, the Devon format is that you have music. Uh, with the BBC Essex format, it used to be that, that we'd have the three-hour slot. And now we're, we're an hour just talking. And... The first time I was sitting in for Ken, um, which is what they call driving the show, the, the show you're literally sat there with all the knobs and dials and buttons and faders mm. in front of you, and you have to do all that and then get the um, the travel in and out and play the right jingles and make sure you oh, keep all those plates spinning. I was so, so petrified. I did actually feel sick for the whole hour. But again, I think just push yourself out of that comfort zone if you can. If you're thinking, how do I get involved in doing this? Find out who the person is who's presenting your local radio and literally just get in touch with them. If you can, phone them because then they'll get an idea of your personality if possible. I met Ken at one of the Thompson and Morgan press days back at, uh, oh, years and years ago, over sort of 10, 15 years ago now. Um, and it is just um, a matter of you know, putting yourself out there a little bit or being in the right place at the right time, in, in my case. And, and honestly, do just let them know that you exist, even if it's just maybe for an expert slot on orchids or something like that. If you get yourself a name because you specialise in a certain group of plants, when there's um, a news story on that, they might well get back in touch with you because they want you to comment on the breakfast news or something like that. So that's the way I would advise you to try and 
take that forward if you can. Um, another thing that I do as well um, is, uh, which is separate to what Saul does. We both have our own par- parallel interests, but also separate ones as well. I I do a lot of writing still. I absolutely love writing about gardening uh, as much as doing the gardening itself. Um, so for the moment, I um, I've been writing for years now for um, Amateur Gardening Magazine as their fruit and veg. Uh, expert as it were and so every week I sit down and I put together five or six projects on that and we photograph them in my garden and also at the hall as well um, and that is again a, a separate discipline um, I, I so enjoy writing and I don't know where it comes from when I sit there and I uh, find my laptop out and I have this topic that I'm going to write 200 words on or uh, 100 words on whatever my workout is for that particular project and I don't really plan it as such it just seems to come from somewhere within and I don't know what that is I have no idea but I'm very very glad that it does and I think actually being a practical gardener allows you to maybe keep that um, that content coming because you every year uh, people joke with me and say well can't you just write the same thing about potatoes every year and I'm like no I can't can't do that and I don't want to do that and I I like the challenge of thinking I want to write something different what's the angle this time is it going to be about for example potatoes is it going to be about growing new potatoes are we going to talk about maybe uh, the best potatoes for chips or are we going to grow them in containers or you know there's loads and loads of different angles to spin stuff so that's a really enjoyable thing to do as well I think I think it's something I've always wanted to try um, you know, I can I can write as well as I talk. I'm sure I can. It's just something that I haven't really got into. I think because you have your editorial background in, in the magazines, that's yeah. that's helped you access that world because uh, it's definitely something where you have to get a commission or a regular spot on a magazine or something to be able to maybe write for a living or, or write yeah. regularly. I think that's one thing I would say, is just to give people, again, a little tip for wanting to get into that world uh i know this sounds really basic but you and i don't mean it to be patronizing at all but you do if you're not a big name um you do need to be able to write and i know i don't mean that in a insulting way or anything like that i just mean that you you do need to be able to write creative nice flowing entertaining copy and i think if you're trying to get into writing for one of the national magazines, start small, start with something that gets published in, say, a, a, a local newsletter or um, a small, smaller journal. And once you've got that published, then send that to the editor of your choice uh, with a really brief email. Um, don't be disheartened if they don't reply. Most editors are incredibly busy. And I think that's what it taught me sitting there in that editor's chair that we're so busy. And if you're on press on deadline, you, you literally just miss these emails. It's nothing personal. Please keep trying. And um, hopefully you'll get through. Work out the production cycle of the magazine. And if they've got a week that's dedicated being on press, avoid that week. Maybe leave it another week or so and then get in touch. And as I say, just do not be disheartened because it's nothing personal. Just keep putting ideas forward and just see what happens. Yeah. So another thing that I do, which I know uh, that you don't do, Lucy, is I I run a couple or maybe three or four garden holidays a year. Um, There's quite a lucrative garden holiday industry out there, which I didn't know until I started doing these, of uh, groups of, say, 10 to 20 people and we go to places and I'm uh, become a de facto tour guide, tour expert, and generally it involves going to visit lots of really nice gardens. So, to be honest, it's not that hard work. It for sounds me. lovely. <laughs> Some ways, it's like me going on holiday. So, 
Um, most of the ones I've done are in the UK, but the one I have been doing uh, sort of semi-regularly is going to the island of Madeira, which is uh, no bad place to go occasionally to uh, to to unwind among all the tropical plants they've yeah. got. That's on um, my bucket list, that one. Yeah, you should definitely go. And to be honest, I think if you're the kind of person, again, and I think this goes back to all of the things we've just discussed, if you're gregarious and you like to talk to people about gardens and share your knowledge and you've got a, a nice you know positive attitude then all of these things are good and really in garden holidays it's quite important because you're obviously with a group for a whole week and you you know you have to be on your best behavior and all that kind of thing but the best tour guides or the best holiday guides are the ones that can really inject enthusiasm into uh, what you're seeing and I, I have no problem in that at all because once I see a banana or a new ginger or a colocasia they generally lose me into the into the jungles and they, I turn into my sort of David Bellamy-esque look and just go oh beautiful you look know, at these all lovely you could do a good a good David Bellamy uh <laughs> Imitation, you really could. God rest oh, lovely, He's lovely like, plants. I met him once at Chelsea Flower Show and he was a gorgeous man. But actually, I can see you getting in amongst mm. there. You'd have to have some short shorts on, though. That's it. A pair, some of, boots. A pair of khakis and, uh, and yep. I always have my hat on. Um, yep. But yeah, if you, I really do enjoy uh, doing the garden holidays. And uh, again, a bit like the writing, that's actually, it's quite hard to get into. And it's best to have someone you know who's already doing it to introduce you to the tour agencies. But if you get the chance to do it, um, I, I really highly recommend it because, because A, it's nice to go and see all the plants, but B, it also gives you a chance to have a holiday, which when you're a gardener can be quite difficult sometimes because trying to plan when you're going to go away from a garden is always one of the hardest things I do because generally the ideal time is in the winter, but you don't generally want to go on holiday in the winter. And the t- You've got to take up skiing, Saul. That's what you've got to do. Well, there's not, That's what Ian and I do. There's not many plants, is there, to see when you're skiing. <laughs> pine tree, pine tree, pine tree. I know, but you can sample blueberries. and. But yeah, I think what we're trying to say is that, you know, our careers, even though we're mainly at our gardens, head gardening, has led us down a load of different routes. Uh, and it also allows you to just meet new people and have new experiences, which then can all, I find, they all feed back into the kind of garden you are and the way you garden. Do you know, I'm just going to really quickly add one thing that I find a completely different environment to everything we do, and you and I both do this, is when we assess or judge at BBC Gardeners World Live. Now, that is a totally different kettle of fish. And um, you have to be very serious, massively critical. And when you're a very kind of positive and encouraging person, it's difficult to do. But if you ever get asked to judge show gardens, we judge the floral marquee exhibits. Um, it's a, it is a very interesting experience and it allows you, it, it, you have to really look at the plants with a totally different eye, totally different eye. And it's, again, very, very useful. Uh, you meet lots of fascinating people, all, all experts in their field. So, again, that's that's just something slightly different to the the usual where we're trying to convey enthusiasm and and be really positive about something. There, you have to be comp- op- the absolute opposite, super critical. Yeah. So, and I find judging really tests your knowledge mm, as well. Yeah. Because you are looking at plants very specifically, and you have to know about yeah. what you're looking at yeah. to be able to judge them properly. Mm. So I, I find judging, yeah, like you say, very intense experience. But I must say, I, I do really enjoy it because it is, it kind of, like you say, there's people that you're in teams with people. And yeah, it, it's kind of 
takes you away from your your yes. usual exactly sphere of life yeah and it gives you something uh like it, it really hones your eye into looking at gardens critically or plants critically mm. so yeah i do enjoy that yeah yeah, but as as we say, there's an awful lot of opportunities out there. So let us know what you do as well, um, aside from your hands-on gardening um, activities. Uh, we would love to hear from you. So that's today's podcast. We hope you enjoy this shortened format and the look at our lives and our gardens. Hopefully you'll tune in again soon to hear about what we're up to. We understand that for many, life has changed in ways not imagined during the start of this year. Our thoughts especially go out to all our colleagues and peers in horticulture. They have been drastically affected and we hope that life will return and like all good plants, flower again much better than before. In the meantime, please do get out into your gardens, support your local small specialist nurseries and enjoy time out from this extraordinary shift in ordinary life. Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! goodbye.